Hey there, my podcast peeps. It's Allie, and I have a little bit of disappointing news for you this week. I recorded about the first half hour of the podcast using the not correct microphone. It was not recording through my good quality microphone. It was my good quality microphone, I realized halfway in, was unplugged and the entire first part of the podcast got recorded just on, through my computer mic. Oh. So the quality is not very good. I have done everything I can do to try to fix it. It's still audible. It's just not as clear as it usually is. So I just wanted to come in and do an intro and say that I'm very, very sorry. I'm feeling a little bit like Harmony today. Can't catch a break. Trying to do a good thing and can't catch a break. But it is still listenable and I hope that you do still listen to it. If you absolutely cannot tolerate it, it gets better at about the 30 minute mark. That's when I... (laughs) realize that my microphone isn't plugged in and I plug it in. (laughs) God, I'm such an idiot. So um, without further ado, here it is, you guys, the grumbled, uh, crumpled, echoey version of this week's podcast. I hope you enjoy it anyway. Here you go. Hey, everybody. It's Allie. And welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, March 11th. By far, the star of the week, Paul. Paul blew me away. He was like an action hero this week. As soon as he found out about Everything that Adam did, letting Patty out of the mental hospital, he went on an epic tear through Genoa City. It it was of epic proportions. I half expected something to, like, explode behind him. It was so, so awesome. I love Paul more than I think I ever have this week. It was like the performance of a lifetime. And he did not waste any time making his way to all of the players in Genoa City to let them know exactly what Adam had done. He wanted to defend his sister. In his own words, he said, I've spent so much of my life trying to bring Patty back into reality. And now I realize that I can't bring her back into reality because it would destroy her to learn what she's done. She is very, very damaged, and she has no concept of the hell that she has unleashed on people in town, and and especially Jack, someone who she loves. And Paul is the only person who has ever been able to connect in to that sweetness in Patty, to that love in Patty, and Adam is number one on Paul's hit list. Adam messed up. It's been a while. Adam set Patty free from that mental institution. It had to have at least been a year and a half ago, maybe even two years. It's been a while since all of that happened. And Paul doesn't care. Paul 
immediately wants to go confront Adam, goes looking for him on a hunt, and doesn't find him at first. But he still runs into Sharon, looking for him, tells her the whole story about what Adam did. He went to find Jack to tell him about what Adam did, that Adam was, in effect, responsible for what Patty did to him. Of course, Mickey was there being supportive of Jack at the time, so she learns the truth, goes to Victor. The word just spread like wildfire. Paul even eventually made his way to Phyllis, tearing her a new one for publishing yet another Pulitzer Prize-winning article in Restless Style, uh, laying out all of the dirty details of what had happened and, in Paul's eyes, exploiting Patty, exploiting his family. And when he was done with that, he took Ricky pretty much by his ear, <laughs> dragged him around, and sat him down and said, you know, son, I understand that I wasn't there for you when you were a child. I made a lot of mistakes, but you're a grown man now, and it's time for you to start acting like a grown man. And really, really tore into Ricky as well. Of course, Ricky was mostly stone-faced throughout the entire thing, and that got interrupted when Paul catches a glimpse of Adam bumbling his way into the athletic club where Ricky and Paul are having this um, lunch conversation. Paul jolts up out of his seat like there was an eject button on it, runs over toward Adam, and you know he's just thinking, I'm gonna hit this guy, I'm gonna hit this guy, and I'm saying in my head, Paul, I know Adam deserves it, but don't hit the blind guy. Don't hit the blind guy. That's going to ruin your action hero vibe right now. You can't hit a blind guy. And Paul just whips up to Adam, grabs him by the shoulder, and says, just so you know. He almost kind of, it was almost a whisper in Adam's ear. It was not loud. It was very understated. Just to get the point across, Paul says, just so you know. This is Paul Williams, who's about to knock you on your ass. Oh! <laughs> oh, it was good. I'm telling you, Paul is my hero this week. He's amazing. And, and all of the performances, everyone he talks to in Genoa City, it was so real the way he laid it out for them. You could feel how angry he was at Adam, how betrayed he felt that he'd been robbed of this relationship with his sister, the guilt that he felt that he let it get to this point, the helplessness that he wasn't able to do anything else about it. It all played on his face. It played in his body language. It played in his voice. In every word he said, it was totally effective. I love Paul this week. Paul, he makes me feel things that I don't expect to feel. And I haven't, I really haven't felt that way about him in a long time. It's been a while since I felt really connected to him. And I just did this week. There was a scene where he goes to the jail to visit Patty. There's no more mental hospital for her. Now that she has blinded a man and 
cause paralysis in another, she is in a maximum security jail cell. There are no nurses. There is no medication. It's just cold, hard reality. And Paul walks in the door to see her, and she is starting to have a, 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 a slight moment of clarity where she realizes what she has done. She thinks that it's a dream. She says to Paul, I had this horrible dream that I shot Jack, and I wouldn't shoot Jack. I love Jack. Why would I do that? And she's tortured inside just at the mere notion that she could have done something to hurt this man who she loves more than anything, this object of her fixation for years and years and years and years. And Paul sees this look on her face, and she's looking at him saying, please, it's not true, is it? It's a dream, right? I had a dream. Please tell me it's a dream. And Paul has this realization that he cannot tell her the truth. It would absolutely destroy her. He, like he said, wants to bring her back to reality. His life's mission in some ways at this point in his life is to pull her back from this brink of insanity. And now he realizes that there really is no more of that. She can't go back. From what she's done, there's no going back. There's no going forward. It's that his sister is now resolved to a very, very sad life. And Paul looks at her with this kindness in his eyes, and he just says, that's right, Patty. It was a dream. And just crushed look on his face, too, just that it you could tell it hurt him so much. To have to do that, to have to lie, but it was the lie that was going to cause less pain to the sibling, this person that he remembers happy times with. Paul has memories of her being a, a, a normal person, and he knows that it wasn't always like this, and he longs for that in his own way. And it is because of Paul that I start to feel connected to Patty, that I can even see. Patty's point of view. I, I mean, there's no reason why I should like Patty. There's no reason why I should want to forgive Patty. But seeing her through Paul's eyes, oh, it just gets me. It gets me right here in the heart. Last week, everything was starting to look okay, like it was going to be okay for Adam. The, the, he was, he's blind, but still he had hope. He had this new attitude. He had a new resolve. He had a new plan. And he was back together with Sharon. Now, this week, because the truth has started to just trickle out to all of the key players in Genoa City about what he did, unleashing Patty onto their lives, everyone has abandoned him. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm disappointed. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel disappointed because last week there was this amazing olive branch scene between Victor and Adam, and I just thought, wow, this could be like a new beginning between those two. It's been nothing but fighting and hard feelings for as long as Adam has been in town, and finally there was this peak of light that was just starting to shine through, and now that's all gone. Adam and Sharon 
we're back together finally. Of course, he's a blind man and he's limited and he's now in this situation where he needs her and maybe she feels a little bit obligated. But still, they were back together. Blind sex is still good sex. <laughs> and it's all destroyed. I can... I'm not surprised that Victor reneged on the whole deal. He offered Adam a job. Adam seemed eager to take it. It looked like it was going to work out. As soon as Victor heard what had happened, he came to Adam's hotel room and crapped all over him, to be quite honest. The phrase that Victor used oh, was, Adam, you mean nothing to me. You may be my son, but you mean nothing to me. Those words just echoed through that room, and Victor just leaned in and said it, and it just stabbed, it just jabbed Adam. You could just feel it because he was trying. Adam was trying, and Victor knew exactly where to put the knife. And I shouldn't be surprised at all by that everyone was able to give him a little bit of forgiveness but then when they found out about one thing that he did nearly two years ago it's all bets are off and i can expect that from victor but i wasn't expecting it from sharon sharon was devastated at learning this truth and i think that in fact paul's conviction with how he delivered the news to sharon was in part what really set her off and what really allowed her to not be able to look back, to not be able to look beyond. <sighs> Sharon realized that the man that she is with is a dark guy. He's got some really bad things that he's done in the past. And she tries to talk to him about it at first. And Adam doesn't lie. He just says, yeah, you know, I did it. It was a long time ago. I did it. But I think that Adam also expected her to forgive him. And that's not what happened. Sharon took off his ring and left him, walked out the door. In fact, vowing that she's not going to come back. Sharon has left him completely and totally in the dark, alone, Adam has no one now. And do you guys feel like bad for him? I feel bad for him. I can't help it. He's got this hangdog look on his face. He has repented. And when someone has repented and you believe that it's genuine, I think you should forgive them. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to let them back into your life where they can hurt you. But I think that you should forgive them. And I don't, like, Sharon's whole reasoning is that she thinks that she's putting faith in danger by continuing her relationship with Adam. If Adam was able to unleash Patty, then who's to say he couldn't unleash something that, that she becomes a victim of or that Faith becomes a victim of? But I don't think we're talking about the same guy. I really don't. Everything that Adam did that was bad in the past, well, not everything. He has he has screwed Sharon over since then with the throwing away of the memory card. And he let her 
sit in jail. It's not like he hasn't done anything bad to her. I, you're going to just have to forgive me here because I feel bad for Adam. I can't help it. And and what, what he did with Patty was before everything that happened in New Orleans. It was before they came back together again. It was before he had this realization on the farm. All of that was in the past. And I just feel that that has got to count for something. That has to count for something. And it just doesn't for Sharon. She has had her final straw and she is determined to just put him in the past and move on. And I understand, I do understand her situation. I don't want to be too um, mad at Sharon because I know that she's been struggling for years between feeling powerfully attracted to someone who you shouldn't. And it's a pull. It's a back and forth uh, pull of should I or shouldn't I. But did she have to leave him at his lowest point? It just kills me. It just kills me. And it's no coincidence in YNR land that Nick is right there to help her pick up the pieces right away. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe Chelsea is going to be there to help Adam pick up his pieces. There was an interesting little scene at the athletic club after Paul nearly tore Adam in two where Chelsea came up to Adam and tried to pretend that she didn't know anything about the Russell style article, although she did. And she was trying to make a connection to him. And I wonder what that's all about. I don't know if it's a matter of true interest in who he is. Or if there's something more going on there, hey, if you can't get one rich guy, Billy, why not give it a try for another? There's a couple of rich guys and single rich guys in Genoa City. There's plenty to go around. So I don't know if it's that. But I hope not. What do you guys think? Adam and Chelsea? Does that seem like an interesting couple? I, From the second that Chelsea walked onto the scene, I thought she looked like Sky. So I wouldn't have been surprised. What if she is Sky? That would be weird. But I just, from the minute that she walked into, into Genoa City, I thought that there was a possibility that there could be a connection there. But I like the Adam that is hopelessly, almost sickly devoted to Sharon. I don't want Adam to have eyes for anyone else, whether she's left him or not. I want him to continue to try to get back with her. I, no matter how many times he has to take off those glasses and make a dramatic point with his translucent eyes, no matter how many times he has to ring on the, the cane, just like a, a little boy ringing his hat or something with his head hanging down, no matter how many guilty little looks he has to give her, I want him to continue to try to get Sharon back. Not that I begrudge Sharon having her own life because it has been years and years of her struggling between forgiving, uh, you know, trying to decide, should I, I love this guy, but he's a jerk. Should I forgive him? And she's certainly not the only woman in Genoa City who's had that problem. I could, it would take two hands to count all the women in Genoa City who want to love their man, but the man has betrayed them, right? Sharon, Victoria, Nikki, Phyllis. Lily, Chloe, everybody. I mean, it's it's a common theme. And so I do want Sharon to have her own life and to get a fresh start. But 
I just don't know if Nick is going to be that for her because Victor and Sharon are sitting around this week reminiscing about old times and Victor realizes that he's got to do something to come up with competition for beauty of nature now that it's away from him. So he wants to start up a new cosmetics firm. Can't wait to hear what it's going to be called. But he has decided that, you know, who would be the perfect spokesmodel for this business? Sharon. And oh, what do you know? It will require her to work side by side with Nick, his son, the good son. And it's so transparent. It's so obvious that Victor wants Sharon and Nick back together. He was ta- when when he was talking with Sharon, he was saying stuff like, "Well, I remember back in the past, just before Adam even came into the town, when you and Nick were happy together, and Phyllis was Jack's problem." And that was so telling. Sharon didn't exactly take on that bait, but you could tell that she was in a and a mind space where she really wanted something new and intriguing to do too. So Victor offers her up this job uh, working on this new company where she's going to have to be working hand in hand with Nick. And it's just very, very blatant of Victor. He wants Nick and Sharon back together. Think about it. It accomplishes keeping Adam and Sharon apart, which is what Victor has wanted for a very long time. It's the reason why he married Sharon. He wants to do anything to keep them apart and and stick it to Adam. And furthermore, putting Nick and Sharon in a situation where they're going to be closely working together accomplishes revenge on Phyllis for publishing that article. Satan's understudy. <laughs> How cool was the new Restless Style cover? Whatever you happen to think about the actual story and the motives behind it, the cover was really cool. It was an illustration of Adam as this devil creature, and it had his features down to a T, the way his eyebrows arch up, and he was just giving this evil look. It was so Good. (laughs) I really, really loved it. The artwork was just amazing. Now, Phyllis deciding to run with this article as a knee-jerk reaction was ridiculous. I'm really glad that's good for sales and I'm I'm trying to separate myself from the fact that obviously I have a soft spot for Adam and this really crashed Adam's world completely down. I don't know if there's a whole lot further down he can go, but the truth is Phyllis ran the article because right after Sharon decided to leave Adam, Nick was happened to be there and Phyllis saw Nick giving Sharon a hug. Really? Phyllis, are you that insecure? That is what prompted her. It's as soon as she sees Nick hugging Sharon, her entire world is just messed up. It's mixed up. The whole, all of the conversations that they had last week about their relationship were just thrown out the window in so many ways. 
last week was just is null and void now. It's, it's as if last week never even happened. There were so many wonderful resolutions, and now they're just gone. And this article has just smashed through all of that. And I, it kills me. It kills me to see Phyllis back in this situation. We are back to a Nick, Sharon, Phyllis triangle. And it is exhausting. It's exhausting for everyone involved, especially me. <laughs> Phyllis re overreacts every single time Nick and Sharon are in a room together. She, I understand that she doesn't want to play this game anymore. But then either you're going to have to accept uh, to a certain extent that Sharon is a part of Nick's life, or you're going to need to get rid of him altogether. Nick and Sharon share a child, a young infant child together. They have a history. They have a past. I empathize that seeing him hugging her just hit the wrong spot, especially after Phyllis has had this horrible week. But she totally, totally re overreacted to it. I feel like Nick was just helping a friend, I think that if I would have walked in on the Adam and Sharon situation, I would have done the same thing as Nick. So I don't blame Nick for this at all. I don't think he has eyes on Sharon. I don't think he is intending anything. But now that this new job is on the table and Sharon's going to be wearing her cute little outfits at Newman Enterprises while Nick is there, it's going to be an uphill battle for Phyllis. It's going to be more of this, more of the same. And she was able to overcome it this time. She and Nick had a good conversation. And he asked her, are you trying to sabotage us? Is it, you know, is it that you are actually concerned about me and Sharon? Or is it that you just want this to be over with, that you, you don't want to go back here. And they ended up resolving it and coming together, and that's all fine and good, but I just asked you how long is it going to last. Especially because, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but <laughs> do you guys, this is ridiculous, I'm sure this is ridiculous, but do you guys feel any kind of chemistry between Ricky and Phyllis? I know you're going to kill me. There's going to be so many negative comments about this, but I kind of felt it. I kind of thought that there was a lot of tension between Ricky and Phyllis. In a lot of ways, they're a lot alike, and I can kind of see it. Phyllis completely screwed Ricky over with this story deal. Ricky sold her the story quickly signed a deal memo uh, signing over any rights that he had to this story that he was very close to. It was very personal to him. Obviously, it was about his aunt and his father and things that are happening in his family. And Phyllis didn't put anything about it, anything about giving him credit into the deal memo. So she ends up running the story, giving him zero credit. Ricky goes to Restless Style to confront her, and she's just Oh, well, too bad. So sad. And Ricky is clearly upset about it. Just before Paul yanked him away from that conversation, Ricky gives her this look like it's not over. And I am sort of wondering if in the very near future, Phyllis is going to decide that she's going to make it up to Ricky by giving him a job. Now, Billy's not going to like it. Billy's been totally absent from everything happening at Restless Style. But I can see... 
Phyllis getting what she wanted because she just came up with this amazing story. And, and Ricky is tr- clearly dedicated to journalism. So I would not be one bit surprised if Phyllis gave him a job. And one of these days, I don't know, maybe Nick or Jaren or somebody else walks in and Ricky's stooping Phyllis on the desk. Jack is back home. I'm so glad. It's good to see him back at his family house and out of the hospital bed and out of the hospital. He has still got a really long road ahead of him, but he's doing a really wonderful job of of recovering, of being motivated toward recovery. And it's his new intense anger and hatred for both Victor and Adam that are driving him toward his recovery, and I'm loving seeing it. We all knew that Jack was very, very bitter toward Victor for what has happened to him. In fact, Jack and Adam had this little moment in the hospital a few weeks ago where they both agreed that it was Victor's fault, and you got this sense that they were somehow going to work together toward revenge on Victor. But now that this Restless Style article is out, Jack realizes that it was Adam who let Patty out of the mental institution, which started a whole domino effect of events that hurt Jack, but hurt Adam too. But Jack's not hearing it. He's not having it. He straight up blames Adam for everything that's gone on. And Adam actually paid a visit to Jack this week and attempted an apology. It was a great, great scene. I don't even, I, I said it last week, but I have to say it again. I don't even recognize Adam anymore. He's so sincere. <laughs> he just doesn't even seem like the Adam Newman that we've known for the past four or five years. But he comes to visit Jack, and he's again got this hangdog look, and he tries to tell him that he's sorry. He didn't intend for any of this to happen, but also confesses to the fact that he is guilty. And Jack is just seeing red. (laughs) Right as Adam is trying to apologize, Jack picks up a glass and throws it near him. And as a blind guy, I think Adam is just expecting that everyone in Genoa City hates him now, that everyone in his life hates him now, because if you're blind, trying to apologize, and all of a sudden you just hear whoosh and crashing glass behind you, that has to be really intimidating. I mean, Jack could have absolutely run over Adam with his wheelchair. They could have gotten into a fight, the blind man versus the paralyzed man. That would have been kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know, who do you think would have won in that fight, Jack or Adam? I think Jack, man. Jack is really, he's pumping some iron with the way he, he's all sweating all over the place, trying to move from his wheelchair to the regular chair, to the regular chair, to the wheelchair. I think Jack would have kicked Adam's butt. <laughs> Adam doesn't even seem to have the will to live at this point. But Jack, it, it really is. Adam just ended up leaving leaving uh, the house, and, and Jack is using it to channel his way t- toward good energy, which is very um, impressive of Jack, of course. Now, he has had a lot of visitors this week. Nikki is still hanging right by his side. But when she took a moment to go see Victor, 
Jack had a visit from Genevieve, and she brought him some books, and it was trying to be, again, yet another olive branch to tell her that, to tell him that she was truly sorry for what had happened, and it was a very tender moment where, at first, Genevieve assumes that Jack blames her for what has happened with his paralysis, and Jack just looked at her very straight up and said, no, 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 this paralysis is one of the only things that I don't blame you for. It's not that at all. It's about the business. And it didn't even seem as much that that Genevieve left him at the altar. It was, he was, he's really focused in on the fact that she peeked at his bid and stole beauty of nature right out from under him. And there was also this surprising little moment during their conversation where she reveals to Jack that she just wanted to have something of her own. This is probably one of the first times that Genevieve has actually explained herself, explained her actions and why she wanted beauty of nature so bad. And she just told him that she wanted to have something of her own where she could assert some of her independence. And Jack actually said to her, I wish you would have told me that because I would have supported you in any, in, you know, in any endeavor that you wanted. But instead you chose to lie to me. You chose to go behind my back. And the conversation ended very, very abruptly and very angrily. And Genevieve has this guilty, guilty sense about her, but at the same time, not really realizing that Jack has a larger plan. Jack has hired Avery now, and he wants to sue Genevieve for what she did. She has no idea that this is coming, but it's coming down the pike. And frankly, I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I hope personally that Jack sues her ass and gets the company. Now, that being said, I really do feel that I understand where Genevieve is coming from. Because during her conversation with Jack this week, it reminded me of something. We're all very sympathetic about Jack wanting beauty of nature because we saw that from his perspective the entire time. Jack was very open, very vocal about wanting to buy beauty of nature. He always has been. But Genevieve was planning to take over beauty of nature since long before her relationship with Jack began. And it was because she wasn't as vocal about it. She wasn't as obvious about it that I think her desire for the company is shrunken a little. It's not as clear to us as viewers. But the truth is, Genevieve maneuvered her way onto the board of directors at Newman months ago. Months and months ago before she even knew Jack. And in fact, if it weren't for Genevieve's crucial vote when Adam brought Beauty of Nature to the board to recommend the sale, Beauty of Nature would not have been sold off. Genevieve was instrumental in shaking Beauty of Nature away from the tree. She made it in play. 
So she deserves a shot at purchasing it. Where she went wrong, where she went all wrong, in my opinion, was viewing Jack's bid and allowing herself to get on the inside of what was going on in his mind. That was wrong. That was possibly illegal. And that's where she's going to go down. Even as Jack is having this conversation with Avery, talking about how... Genevieve was trying to coax him down on his number, telling him he was going to pay too much for it. And in retrospect, it certainly does look like she was just trying to save herself a couple of bucks because she was always going to outbid him. And I feel bad for Jack about that. That's why I think Genevieve deserves to lose the company. If it weren't for that one little despicable move, then she would have had every single right to it. She had been laying the groundwork for this for months, and she would have deserved it. But now, she got the company in a questionable way, and I understand that Jack's plan little by little got into her way but now that she's gotten the company what is she even doing with it she has hired victoria victoria has finally this week decided that she is going to accept the position as ceo she's going to run the company for genevieve but genevieve decided this week to approach abby to have a role at the company. Abby has no business experience whatsoever. You know what that says to me? That says the fact that Genevieve is targeting Victoria and especially Abby says to me that this is purely about, about Victor. Genevieve has the hots for Victor, I think, or she may just want to be able to, she maybe sees it as a competition thing. She wants to prove that she's every bit as good as Victor, where, you know, when she has no experience, Victor has decades of experience in the business world. She has zero, which is why I think it's that she wants him. I think she wants Victor. I think she would love to be in a relationship with Victor. I think she thrives on that competitive type of relationship, and she would love to be in it with him, but I don't, no, that I mean, just the fact that she's doing that makes me question whether or not she's qualified to run this company. She doesn't really even know what to do with it. All she's doing is trying to one-up Victor, and it just begs the question, Genevieve, do you really want to run a business, or are you just in it to play games? Yes, so Victoria has accepted the position at Beauty of Nature. They're signing the contracts right now. And I can't help but wonder, what kind of salary do you even pay a multimillionaire slash near billionaire? What on earth is Genevieve paying Victoria? Because it's got to be peanuts. Really, she's doing it for herself. Victoria and Billy had a conversation this week where Victoria backed out of the job decided that she wanted to focus on being a mom, but Billy kind of talked her back into it. Real, you know, made her realize that 
she is more. She has more to accomplish than just being a mom. And it's a really good opportunity. Victoria has wanted Beauty of Nature for forever. Now she's having this chance to head it up. And I know that that means a lot to her. Billy knows that that means a lot to her. And at the same time, Billy has been offered this opportunity. While Abby was off in L.A., she was meeting with some reality show people, and they've decided that they would like to do a reality show behind-the-scenes thing at Restless Style, which I think is really cool-sounding. So Billy flies off to L.A. to meet with these guys. Do you guys think it's going to pan out? Because if it does, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm excited about it. I mean, Restless Style has been kind of boring for a while. The new issue is exciting, but for large part, Restless Style isn't as exciting as it was in the past. So I think getting some cameras in there and adding this reality show behind the scenes thing could add some edge, could add some excitement. (laughs) I think it could be good. I just wonder if it's actually ever going to end up panning out. Either way, it's going to occupy Billy's time. And Beauty of Nature is going to occupy Victoria's time. And everybody is very concerned that while mom, the, this couple, while they're both off doing their job thing, it leaves Chelsea and her mother to wreak more havoc. And I don't know. Chelsea, to me, is starting to seem sincere. Perhaps it's her interest in Adam recently that is the, her most questionable Uh, move. I don't know if that's indicative of something else. I don't know if that means that she's starting to turn back toward her evil, manipulative ways. But Anita made a point this week that, you know, my daughter is full of hormones right now. She is very, very pregnant and she's not thinking straight. And as soon as she gives birth to the child, things are going to be a different story. And that is what my gut feeling is saying. I don't know if she's going to back out on the deal to give them a give them the child or not. And larger, larger issue. Um, so <laughs> we've been speculating a little bit for the last couple of weeks about what exactly the connection between Anita and Jeff is. And guess what, you guys? Voila! Bet you didn't see this coming. Jeff is Chelsea's father. Where did that come from? Before I forget to mention it, after Genevieve went to see Jack this week, she also went to go see Ashley, and Ashley was especially rude to Genevieve. I know that Genevieve left Jack at the altar, and that really sucks of her. Ashley really doesn't have any reason to be nice to her, but it felt like Ashley was especially cruel. And then later, Jill comes into Ashley's office, and Ashley starts reaming her about some marketing, about Jill basically doing her job. Jill went ahead and approved some marketing campaign that she didn't run by Ashley first, and Ashley blew a gasket, and I just can't help asking myself, what has crawled up Ashley's ass this week? I don't know if it's that Tucker is away, and maybe Ashley's not getting 
as much as she used to, but I beg of you, Tucker, come back to Genoa City and romance <laughs> Ashley. Give, just give, give it to her good, Tucker, because old girl is pent up. She's got some pent up rage. It's causing a very uncomfortable situation at Jabot. Jill and Ashley arguing constantly, and now Kane is in the mix. He's trying to be the new guy, the low man on the totem pole there, trying to help out, and instead he is essentially just uh, moderating the ongoing argument between Ashley and Jill. Is that what they're paying him for? Ooh, Harmony and Tucker had a really good fight this week. It was spectacular. It really was. There was like fireworks in the room because Tucker, when last we saw them, accused Harmony of coming on to Neil. Now, flash forward a couple days, Tucker and Devon and Harmony are all in the hospital for Devon's surgery. And in case, don't worry, guys. Devon's coming out of it just fine. But there's some tension between Harmony and Tucker. And Harmony, I think, is just being herself. She's being friendly with Neil, um, joking with them, and just little jabs here and there. And it's funny, but Tucker is ultra paranoid. And he, again, when Neil leaves the room, confronts Harmony and says, you know what? I know your game. I know all of these little moves. I know what it looks like when you're interested in somebody. And you're interested in Neil. And he's a married man. And Harmony says to him, I know he's a married man. You don't need to tell me that. I don't appreciate what you're implying here. I'm not interested in Neil. I'm fully aware. We share a son together. I mean, (laughs) not exactly, but kind of. And we're both concerned about Devon. We're trying to alleviate the situation. And furthermore, frankly, if you're starting to see some of the things that used to turn you on back in the day, then that's on you. Ooh! That was a really good line. And when she said that to him, she gave him this look just like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. It just implied. And I almost wonder, that makes me wonder if maybe Tucker is kind of digging on Harmony. I I don't know. I like it. I like Tucker. I like Harmony. I like Neil. I don't really care which way it goes. I hope somebody nails her soon. It's all very good. It's all very compelling. I want more. Like, I want to see more of that throughout the week, not just one day of scenes. Because there's so much going on. I really... Really, I'm starting to warm up to Devon. There's this wonderful moment when Devon comes out of surgery and he's out of it still a little bit. And he doesn't exactly know where he was, doesn't exactly remember things. And Neil is super concerned about him because he realizes that Devon's going to be deaf for a little while after surgery. It's going to take some time for what has happened to start to kick in. So... He is a little groggy in the bed. Neil and Harmony and Tucker all walk up to him. And Neil just looks at him and signs to him and tells him that everything is okay. You can see this 
expression on Devon's face that he's worried for a brief moment because he can't hear. And he freaks out just, you can see it in his eyes, but Neil is there just with this very calm, very passionate face, looking at him, reassuring him that everything is going to be okay. And it was so nice. It actually made me teary. It, It was made me a little bit teary and I enjoyed it. And back in Genoa City, there was a little scene where Sophia and Lily had lunch together. They're both fairly new mommies. They're both career women or women who have children and have kind of set their career off to the side to be mommies. And they had a nice little lunch and a nice little conversation. And I love their relationship. I think they get along really well. They have a nice chemistry. And I like thinking about what is next for these two women. They're both very, very strong. We know that Sophia is definitely going to have some difficult personal problems on her hands. I don't know if when Tucker gets back into Genoa City, he's going to spill all to Sophia. I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker told Sophia, watch out for Harmony, which is going to further isolate Harmony. And it's just not a good idea to put Harmony in a corner It's not going to be good, but I still at the same time would love to see Harmony versus Sophia. And and poor Lily, she's finally got her relationship on track with Kane. There's no more trauma there. And I'm curious to know what's going to be next for her in her career. And I I don't even know why I have to ask, though, because I think it's probably going to be about 0.25 seconds before Kane suggests that Lily become the new spokesmodel for Jabot. I am really glad to see that Daniel has decided to step up and fight for custody of Lucy. It seems like the only rational solution to the problem. Somebody, somebody has to save this child from Daisy's clutches. And Phyllis was very, very relieved to hear this as well. She was right in the middle of writing her story for Restless Style when Daniel came over. She gave him the biggest blow-off. Like, I don't have time to talk to you. Just go away. He tells her, I think I have some news that you're going to want to hear. And it all turns around. Suddenly, she's so proud of him, and she can make five minutes for him. She's so rude. But... It doesn't matter. The point is now everybody's working together to get Lucy away from Daisy. Problem is, Daisy was counting on that. And I am surprised with myself that I'm going to say this, and probably nobody else will agree with me, but I love Daisy. I can't help it. It's not so much that I love the character as much as that I love the actress. She is just evil. (laughs) And it just works so well. The way that she turns on the innocence on and off so easily is just phenomenal because it can go like a sweet little kitten eyes to vicious she-devil in just a few moments and I love it. It's just compelling to me. I think the actress is really gorgeous. I think she has a unique way about her. I love singing that innocence mixed with that evilness just all in one little tiny dainty pretty little box it's very very compelling with me for me and I think it's going to be even more compelling to see her trying to get her claws into Daniel as well so I think 
she is counting on the fact that they were going to try to take Lucy back. And I think she's parlaying it into a little family situation. She's going to try to get Daniel to come and, and be a little family together, trap him into a relationship as well as fatherhood, which, as we all know, is so not going to work. As Phyllis should be able to attest, it's so not going to work. I couldn't help this week just thinking about all of the parallels between Daisy and Phyllis's story uh, when she first came onto the show. It's only, I think, starting to dawn on me now, but one major thing that Daisy and Phyllis have in common is using a baby to trap a Romalotti man into a relationship. And I got a, a really, really strong feeling. I... I hope this doesn't happen because I think it's going to be lame, but I have a feeling that the judge is going to rule shared custody, and I can just see it in the very near future. I can just see Daniel having to move in with Daisy. Kevin and Chloe are just starting to wear me down. Maybe they do belong together. It's There's so much trauma going on between them that maybe they just do belong together. So this week, Chloe slyfully arranges to go out to eat at Glowworm and where she's hoping that she's going to run into Kevin and Angelina. I think that Chloe has so much left unsaid. She and Kevin had this awesome relationship, which, again, I wasn't a huge fan of, but they had a connection. They've been friends for a really long time. A really long time. Before they were lovers, they were friends. And all of a sudden, it's gone with very little explanation and, in fact, puzzling results. Ha having Kevin choose Angelina over her, having Kevin leave her at the altar to be with Angelina, to run away, it's not adding up in her mind. I think Chloe knows in her gut that it's just all wrong. So she's inventing these ways to run into him, hoping that she's going to be able to uh, get some of the things off of her chest. And she actually does. She walks up to Kevin and Angelina's table this week and tells um, them both that she has no hard feelings. She wants to just move on. And she's giving this impression that she's with Daniel now. She wants them to believe that they're together. It's quite clear. While all the time, Kevin is working on a plan to get out of this relationship with Angelina, which was a pretty good plan until he blew it. He decided that the best way to get them out of this marriage was for Angelina to make it look like she didn't want to be married to Kevin. As soon as Angelo sees that, he would give the blessing upon their annulment. And that plan started seeming like it was really going to work until Kevin and Chloe start to have this conflict, this little tiff at the restaurant where Kevin can't help but mention that he saw the picture of Daniel and Chloe kissing that night, I think it was New Year's, when she was all drunk and she kissed him. And Daniel was not happy about that. I mean, Daniel and Kevin have a lot still that they need to resolve. They were best friends. And Kevin thinks that Daniel moved in on his girl. Daniel thinks that Kevin abandoned her and he's just trying to be a nice guy. And there's a lot of lies 
in this situation. There's a lot of stuff that still needs to be said, and it's just building toward this horrible, <sighs> parallel, unhappy relationship sort of situation. Kevin decides that in order to make Chloe jealous, screw the whole plan that he was just laying to make Angela, to get out of the marriage. He decides to give a big old honk and smooch to Angelina to make Chloe jealous, and Chloe turns around and gives a big old honk and smooch to Daniel to make Kevin jealous. And it's happening literally at the same time. It's so unrealistic. <sighs> I don't even know what to think. The best part about all of this is I love, uh, <laughs> I love Angelina's outfit choices. I just am dying every time she's on screen to see what it is that she's going to be wearing. And nine times out of ten, it includes a ginormous, almost obnoxious pair of earrings. I, last week, I wanted to mention it so bad, but I just forgot. She had the hugest hoops you've ever seen. These things were, they had to be four-inch hoops. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe even bigger. They were, could have been five-inch. They were gigantic. And then this week, she had these really pretty long, swayy earrings. She's a very big, she always has a, a, a an exciting earring on in her <laughs> outfit. I just love it. Every time it's on screen, it's like almost hypnotic. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of another Why Not Chat for this week. I'll always be back. <laughs> as long as YNR is here, I will be here, my friends. And I hope that you are too. It's so wonderful hearing from you guys. And I know you've got comments about the show. And I know you're dying to tell me. So there's a couple of ways that you can get that message to me. And here they are. First of all, you can call in and leave me a voice comment. The telephone number is area code 309-588-4569. That's country code 1. 309-588-4569. Or you can go to my blog at yrchatblog.blogspot.com. That's yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Or you can also send me an email to yrchat at live.com if you want to chat with me, leave me your comments, tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong, doesn't matter. I just want to hear from you guys. And uh, if you also want to check out the video portion, I think maybe um, some people don't know that I also video record this as I'm talking. So if you want to go to the blog, yrchat.blogspot.com, <laughs> You can see the video of me talking as well. Um, makes a difference. It's kind of different listening to the audio versus listening to the video. Although, I admit, I listen to the audio every week. I don't watch the video every week. I don't really like looking at myself. But some people do. Maybe you do. So if you do, you can go check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, I think spring is coming. And that means that there's going to be, you know, sweeps and springy storylines. And who knows, maybe we'll get some more park scenes. <laughs> it should be good. I'm loving the show. 
as always. Loving you guys, as always. And I'll be back next week to chat again. So everybody take care. Be safe. Love you so much. Talk to you next time. Bye.